Welcome to Orange Crest Community Church and OCCathome.com. We are so glad you're here. At OCC, our mission is to invite people to take their next steps with Jesus. And so we pray that through our time together, you're encouraged and challenged to move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Welcome to Orange Crest Community Church. My name is Pastor Josh De La Rosa, and we're in between a couple of message series and occasionally I like to sort of drop in just a week where I don't have anything planned in, in my preaching calendar. And so this is one of those weeks where we just have a standalone message, not connected to a series, uh, but just really have been wanting to touch on some of the relevant topics going on in our world. And so I've been praying for how we could really use this Sunday to do that. And there's a lot going on, as you know, right now here in California, in our area, even uh, this past week, our governor just walked through. A recall election and, and he held on to his seat. Uh, some of you, you're freshmen in college and you're like, what in the world just moved? Um, beginning college and, and our governor's being recalled. What a strange time to be living. Now, I remember when I was a freshman in college, we actually had a recall election as well and the governor was recalled back then. That was like in the 90s. And we ended up getting Arnold Schwarzenegger as our governor here in California. So just really strange time politically, uh, the Delta variant of COVID has impacted a lot. Many in our congregation have gotten sick uh, and have recovered, thankfully. Uh, but even without the threat of COVID, some of you are dealing with sickness, maybe even chronic illness in your life. I know some of you uh, just have some things that really that really uh, plague your health. Uh, I actually was having dinner with a group of people from our church who who served in crucial ways through the pandemic. And it, it occurred to me, just how many of our leaders have really served in, in a real high-risk manner and, you know, really sacrificed to help us put our services on and serve in a variety of roles in a pretty, pretty challenging time for those who have uh, health vulnerabilities. And so uh, maybe that's you, and we really are grateful for you. Also, just another dynamic right now, friendships. Friendships are extremely challenging right now with a variety of issues, a variety of opinions. That's just another thing is just trying to navigate how to, how to do friendships right now. Also, we have the vaccine mandates. That's another hot topic, not just because it's all over the news and social media, but because some of you have been put on notice. And so there's a lot of challenging decisions for, for some of you. And we're wrestling through that issue. Uh, as a church, a dynamic we're facing is we purchase property as a church. And that's exciting news. Uh, we received, uh, we told you in July, we received our conditional use permit. So we're celebrating that. But now we're waiting on building permits, and that's another sort of a waiting process. COVID has affected, we've learned, and, and uh, the city staff, planning staff has downsized, and so we're chomping at the bit to get building on phase one construction, but we're waiting on the city uh, city's building permit approval. And so, uh, but it will come, and so, but that's a dynamic again. And all the while, a lot of Californians are, are still making plans to exit, and and so as people are packing up their homes and finding new jobs and, and heading out of state to move to look for greener pastures. Uh, here we are as a church building. <laughs> We've purchased property. And sometimes I wonder if we're all crazy for doing this. Here we are building in California. The world around us, as we all know, has, has really changed. Uh, California is it's known as the Golden State. And this description of our state traces back to 1848, Back to the discovery of gold in California, 
But that really set California on a path towards development, towards uh, prosperity, and towards a lot of growth. And so our state has grown and grown and grown. We have just under 40 million people here in California. We actually dropped in population through this pandemic season, but we still are the most populous state in the union. We have 10, 10 million more people than the state of Texas, which is the second largest state as far as population, who they have just under 30 million people, but 40 million people call California home. Uh, but California is hardly heaven. Really high taxes here. Uh, difficulty to break into the real estate market. If you're, if you're wanting to plant your roots here, it's hard to do that uh, because of the cost of living. Uh, an insane amount of traffic here. Uh, it's hard to get anywhere fast these days. Uh, and then in California, there's a lot of division. There's major division over just about everything you want to talk about. So you start having a conversation and you're like, uh-oh, we're, we're, we're going to need to backpedal out of this conversation because I'm not sure we're on the same page. And so that's just life in California. And, and, and if you are so bold to choose to follow Christ, you, you choose to yield your life to Jesus Christ, and if you choose to take the Bible seriously living here in California, then you better prepare yourself for a pretty difficult, rocky, bumpy road ahead. And so these are just some of the issues that are facing us here in California. And, and it can feel overwhelming and, and, and some days flat out really crippling uh, for people to move forward. And some of you are facing... I mean, you touched on the most significant challenges maybe that some of you got in your mind. And, and it can feel as if no one really understands. It can feel like we're all alone. It can feel like you start slipping. But I, I, what I want to do is I want to look at a passage that I think will be really helpful and bring some real uh, focus right here, right now, speaking to the challenges that we're currently facing and so this is a passage found in the Old Testament of the Bible. The first division of the Bible is a book, uh, the book of Jeremiah. And we're going to look at chapter 29 in Jeremiah, uh, beginning with verse 4, and we'll walk through about verse 11. Jeremiah 29, verse 4 reads this. It reads, This is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel, says to all the exiles I deported from Jerusalem to Babylon. So what it's saying right off the bat is God is involved in deporting people from their land, Jerusalem. The Jews were deported out of Jerusalem. They were exiled. God is saying, look, I did this. God is saying uh, they're responsible because in their case, their responsibility was they disobeyed God. They were, uh, they were being disciplined for resisting God, for ignoring God's commands, for running their own lives, for rejecting his commands, running off God's prophets. And because of that, God had disciplined them and allowed them to be invaded and then deported. So, God's people were now exiled to the land of Babylon. And so, Jeremiah's letter is basically from God, and he's writing this to all these exiles. And he's writing this letter, he says, to the exiles, because this is to a group of people who were, who used to live in Jerusalem, but now they were living far from home, and far from the experience, or from experiencing the life that they had always dreamed about, the, the, the life they had longed to be living. They're far away from all that. Why? Well, it's because they're in exile. They've been carried off, and God wants to speak to them. Now, let's be clear. I don't think any of us are true exiles in the truest sense of the word. The word exile means to be banished away or to be barred from your native country. Uh, and essentially, these Jewish exiles living in Babylon because of God's discipline, uh, they've been conquered. Now they're foreigners 
They, they feel totally uprooted. They're far from home. But, but here's the connection to us. The world around us has changed. Some of you would say that you sort of feel like an exile. It's, 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 it's hard to remember when you have felt at peace, like really at home. So let's imagine that this time that we're living in right now is our exile experience. And, and let's see what we can learn from God's word, the Bible, that he gave to those Jewish exiles, this message that he gave to them from this prophet. Let's see what we can learn from it. Whether for them or for us, here's some lessons. When in exile, here's a few things that happen. We, we wonder how we got here. If you are, are asking yourself, like, what happened? How did we get here? Some of you have seen these seismic shifts occurring slowly over many decades. Uh, others of you, you're totally shocked. You're shocked at how fast change has occurred in our world. So, so quickly. And we're sort of scratching our head and wondering, how did we get here? Also, when we're in exile, we're tempted to sort of lose hope. Just as those exiles in Babylon, those Jewish uh, men and women and children, would have been tempted to just think, man, God has, has God forgotten about us? We could find ourselves today in our own city, wrestling through God's promises and wondering if God is going to come through. But another thing, finally, when we're in exile, we question if God will set things right. Is he going to turn it around? We wonder if it's even possible with the, the, the season that we've been living in. We wonder. It just seems like everything that was normal is totally flipped upside down. And we don't know if it's ever going to return to what we remember back there. Well, in the midst of exile, God has given a bright promise for the future. I want to read a verse of Jeremiah 29. I want to move ahead to verse 11. I want to look at a promise that that God gave to those Israelites who were, again, they were far from their homeland. Now, it's a promise that is very bright. It's a promise that many of you have probably heard if you are a Christ follower, if you've been a part, maybe you're raised in the church. You've probably heard this verse quoted before. In fact, it's a verse maybe that you've received in a birthday card or maybe you heard at a graduation speech. So listen to this. Jeremiah 29, we're speeding up to verse 11. The prophet tells them this, For I know, and this is from God through the prophet, For I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your well-being, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Now look at that verse. Isn't that a great verse? I mean, it's a feel-good verse for sure. It's it's the perfect verse for graduation day. Like, here's a picture of a yearbook, and, and uh, when you're graduating high school, this is an old yearbook photo, so you see the hairstyles have changed and this, the fashion has changed. But graduation day, you know, this is a great verse for graduation day. I know the plans I have for you, plans for your well-being, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Essentially, you've got the whole world ahead of you. I mean, the future looks bright. Nothing's going to hold you back. You can do anything you want. You're told, go live your purpose. And and with God on your side, there's nothing that can stop you. I mean, that's like a great graduation speech. But here's the problem. I just told you the context of this verse. This wasn't graduation day. This was actually given to a group of exiles. They were far from living the dream. But still, God gave them a hopeful promise. So here's what I want to do, is I'm going to look at this promise, Jeremiah 29, 11, 
But I want to look at this promise in its context. Like, where does it actually show up in the Bible? What's the passage that it, that that it comes up in? What's the situation? In order to really understand the journey from from exile to hope, how do you get from exile to verse eleven? Like, how do you, how do you, what's what's that journey look like? It's crucial that we have an accurate understanding of what the Bible actually says. You see, context is crucial for this. Context means know, know the setting of the verse that you're reading. You don't just pick a verse. If we just sort of rip a verse out of the context and say, you know, this is a great verse, I love it. I'm going to put that as a poster on my on my wall and I'm going to draw a picture, you know, about it. And we oftentimes find verses ripped out of context with a picture that doesn't actually match the context. And when we do that, we end up missing God's ways. We don't we don't fully understand how God works when we rip things out of their context. And so this passage actually clues us into the way of God as he works in our lives. Now, note this. This is not a promise that was made to you or me originally. It was made to a specific group of people, those Jewish exiles, in a specific circumstance. So you can't really read it like a yearbook. You know when it comes to a yearbook, at least with my yearbook and probably you, whenever you open up your yearbook, you flip to the page that you're on and you kind of look at the people around you and then you, you sort of look at the people that liked you and, and that were friends of you and you sort of, you know, we, we sort of draw the focus towards ourselves and our experience. Well, you can't look at this passage like you would and read the Bible like you would your yearbook. You got to look at it in context. So the key to understanding the Bible is you discover what it says to those to whom it was written. And then once you understand what it said to those that it was written to, then we build a bridge from there, a bridge of application to our lives today. And so, now this promise wasn't made to you and me. It applies to us, though. So don't don't think it doesn't matter because it actually applies to us. But it was uh, it wasn't made to us. The promise was given to them. But we can apply it to our lives. So understanding this and understanding the original context of this promise helps us know what to expect and how to apply. And so as I'm teaching through this passage, what I'm going to do is we're going to talk about them there in exile before us. But it certainly applies today. So specifically, here's some takeaways from this passage. And I want to look at how to find hope in any condition. So the first thing is this, to plant yourself and prepare to invest. To plant yourself and prepare to invest. That's what Jeremiah tells him. Look at what God says to these exiles. Verse 5. Build houses and live in them. Remember, they're far from home. They've been deported. And Jeremiah says, build houses. God wants you to build houses, live in them, plant gardens, and eat their produce. Plant the plant your gardens and eat the produce that grows up from the ground. Jeremiah, is, he's writing to these folks in a very, very difficult circumstance. They, they had been captured. And they had been taken to a very, very hostile area. That a group of people who were hostile towards their way of life. These were God-fearing Jews living in a pagan nation. The Babylonians were barbarians. They, in real life, not just on the movie screen. I've seen a lot of movies that depict the Babylonians, and it was barbaric in those days. And here's what God instructs. Go ahead and build your houses there, live in them, plant your gardens there, eat their produce. Essentially, he's telling his people, unpack your bags and plan to stay for a while. Build your life there. Invest there. Many times we start going through life, especially through difficult times, like we're living through, and we decide we just need to get back to doing life 
as we should, just as, you know, we'll get back to doing life the way we should, just as soon as all of this mess and trouble is over. And so what we do in the meantime is we just sort of freeze. We bury our head. Uh, we freak out. <laughs> we put life and priorities on hold while we just wait and hope that everything's going to get better. Now, this is a huge mistake to do that. Jeremiah instructs this group to put their roots down, to start building their lives, to get established, to make a living. To focus on investing themselves right now, even with all that's going on around them. And for the families that were to do this, this actually shows the children how to thrive right now. You, you don't need to wait for perfect conditions, God is saying. You know the game Tag? Uh, you know, you, I played a lot of Tag growing up. You probably did too. You always have a home base, right? And if you go back to home base, you're safe. Nobody can tag you if you're at home base. You see, parents... Whenever you plant your roots spiritually in a community, like if you decide to plant your roots with us at OCC, you decide to invest here, invest yourself spiritually, both in, in your own life and then in the lives of your, your community, your church community, what that does is it provides a spiritual home base for your kids. There's a safety to that. Now, I wonder what things we might be putting on hold because... We're living in such a crazy time right now. It's, it's tempting to sort of hold ourselves back and to not invest. It's tempting to just keep all of our options open and not be committed to anything. It's tempting to, to wait for the conditions to improve, for attitudes to improve, for life to improve. But oftentimes, it's just best to jump back into life and start investing. That's what Jeremiah tells God's people first. Start building, start investing, and, and start your lives Invest right now. Now, the second thing Jeremiah tells them is this, is to hold marriage in high regard. He writes this in verse 6, the beginning of verse 6. He writes, Find wives for yourselves. Have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons. And give your daughters to men in marriage so that they may bear sons and daughters. Now, being in exile, it would be tempting to just sort of wait until they're allowed to return home. If that ever happens, we're just going to wait until we return home where conditions are, are more supportive to uh, to get married and start having a family. Uh, it'd be tempting. Like, why would I want to marry in this complex situation? And maybe that's what you're thinking right now. Like, I'm going to wait until the world settles down. I, I, I'm, I, don't, I don't want to get married right now. Um, you know, the reality is marriage in our culture is sort of an afterthought. It's, it's an option. Uh, but it's not held in high regard. Well, God wants you to hold the institution of marriage in high regard. But there's this thought that's sort of floating around, which is, uh, you know, we'll get married after we're set up in a house and got a good, you know, got a good job, and then and then we'll get married. We'll move in together first, and then we'll just we'll we'll do marriage down the road, maybe. But in God's mind, it is to be held in high regard, and so we should give it. A high priority. Now, if you, for these folks in, in Jeremiah's you know day, uh, you can understand the reason why they would be concerned to marry. Um, the concern is, do I really want to bear more responsibility? Do I want to have to be responsible for this person at this crazy time that we're living in? Well, that's that's a real big challenge. It would have been a real big challenge. Certainly here and now, still a challenge. Life is complex. It's so difficult. You know, marriage 
oftentimes is pushed because of this issue of complexity and, and difficulty. It's pushed till later and later and later. Uh, but something happens. If you choose to marry earlier in life, you can build a life together. You, you can't always control that. Uh, some of you would like to control this. And you'd like to get married right now. You'd like to get married soon. But if you're delaying marriage in order to sort of get everything all set and perfect, I'd love to challenge that idea. I'd love to challenge it. I, I'm always on the lookout for good marriage material for the singles of our church. Uh, I have no shame in, in matchmaking uh, in this church. Our, our family has introduced a handful, a small handful, of couples to each other. Uh, but we've we've enjoyed that. We've loved sort of being on the lookout for, oh, that person would be a perfect match for this person. We also just love investing in couples. We we hold, personally, marriage in high regard. Uh, we We got married, my wife and I. We got married at the age of 22. We were really young. I had just turned 22 as well. And we had many, many, many challenges getting married that young. But honestly, looking back, I've been married 22 years now. I wouldn't trade the struggles and the challenges uh, that we experienced. I love my wife. We've shared a great life together. Uh, But notice in these verses, uh, the parents are the ones actively involved in the selection process. We're to be concerned about that. I'm excited about this part of parenting, in fact. Especially as my kids are getting older and older, we, we talk about this with, with all of our children at their, at their different levels. We talk about how we're praying for them and for their future spouse. And I, and I'm not pushing an agenda, but I, I treasure the opportunity to speak into this area. Um, I'm praying for each of them. I'm praying for them that they would make a good decision. Now, this is a concern of the passage. He's saying, Find a wife for yourself, have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and daughters. You just see this. This is a parental concern. Now, if for you, if marriage has been messy, maybe even uh, marriage for you has ended in divorce, this could be a very, very painful topic and even point to bring up. And, and I don't want to minimize your pain. Um, in fact, I pray I pray for those of you who who I know your stories and, and I admire your faith to, to get back up after the pain of divorce, to, um, to walk forward in faith, trusting God to rebuild your life. And, and we, as a church community, and me as your pastor, I, I care for you. I care for each one of you. And we want to be a help. We want to be a support. We're not pushing or going to push ourselves uh, onto you with <laughs> support. But just let us know. Let us know if that's you and if that's what's needed more support in this area. Please please let us know how we can support you. But that's the second thing. Hold marriage in, in high regard. Back to Jeremiah. Third thing he says in his letter is, put a priority on children and future generations. So you find this in the last part of verse 6. Simply, multiply there, do not decrease. Now you see this, this focus on children. Have sons and daughters. Find wives for sons and daughters. And then multiply there, do not decrease. Again, the thought would be, um, out of fear for the exiles, the fear would have been, I, I don't know if we should add children. I don't know if that would be wise. You know, children are a blessing from God. And, and he wants godly people to multiply. That's what he's saying here. He Multiply right there. He wants godly people to multiply and have children. And 
you know, I look around our church and, and, and there's a lot of kids. We've got a, a healthy and large kid zone ministry here. It's amazing to see the growth of our kids ministry through the years. But let's be honest. With the way that the world is or the cost of living in California, it, it feels anti-family. It, it feels impossible uh, to really afford to have a family here. It's, and sometimes there's, there's reasons to delay having children. For example, if there's just so much contention in the home, that might be a sign to sort of press pause and to focus on the marriage. Uh, but, but once you, de- you sort of work on the marriage and get things into a healthier place, then uh, don't let money or don't let the media or don't let the Joneses or don't let fear or whatever else cause you to delay putting a priority on children and the next generation. Now, I know, I know sometimes God has said no, meaning it's your desire to have children in your family, in your marriage, but God hasn't granted that. God hasn't given uh, some of you children yet, and, and I'm, I pray for you. I, I pray specifically for some of you, and some of you have been very open about this desire, and you've asked for prayer in this area, but some of you are waiting on God, and, and, you're, and while you're waiting for God to answer that prayer and that desire, you're you're investing in future generations right here in our church. What encourages my heart are those moms who are waiting on God and serving the the families of OCC. Some of you, that's you. You you're waiting on God and you're praying. You, you're offering this desire to God and you're holding babies in the nursery, and, and or you're teaching our little ones in kids zone. And not not that you have to do that because honestly, I, I can't imagine how much of a mixture of, of joy and pain that must be. But but I admire your faith and your courage. And we're grateful as a church for your love and for your care for the next generation here at OCC. And I know some of you, uh, that's your desire. You, you care about the next generation being raised up here. And so you're investing right now. And also I know some of you, you, you have fostered and adopted children. And that's amazing to see. And it's so pleases the heart of God and we're encouraged by you and and so Jeremiah is saying look don't wait on this area of of children and the next generation even in exile even while things are messy in our world prioritize the next generation so that's the third thing now the fourth thing in his letter is this is to seek the welfare of the city that you're in what I mean when you read the verse seek the good of Babylon (laughs) let's read it verse 7 pursue the well-being of the city I have deported you to. <laughs> That's Babylon for them. And then he says, pray to the Lord on its behalf. I'm supposed to be praying for Babylon. <laughs> for when it thrives, you will thrive. Well, you're living there. The good that comes to Babylon, you Jewish exiles, you'll experience that good because you're now this is your land. This is where you're at right now. This is your situation. You know, how many of us are praying for Riverside. How many of us are praying for California? This is our situation that we're in. You know, we might not like the situation. Things may not go your way. But we're to seek the welfare of the city that we're in. I want to encourage you to lead your kids to look outside of just your own family and outside of themselves to do what they can do to make a difference in the city that they live in, in this community. A lot of us do that. It's easy to sort of just get wrapped up in me and mine and, and never turn and look outward. 
But God leads us to look outward for His honor, for the good of those around us, and for our good as well. And this is why that property that we purchased matters so much. That's why this has been such an exciting journey, because this is us, the people of OCC, making an investment that could impact people for hundreds of years. And you think about that. We don't know when these buildings will be done. Uh, but you know what? We're right in the center of our city. And it looks run down right now, but we have the faith as a group of people to see the good that's in store. God has planned. And so we're investing and we're praying and we're here. Sure, California and Riverside, it, it has its challenges. And, and we tend to view difficult circumstances as an interruption to our happy life. But in reality... This is, this is a normal part of life. Every person on earth has to deal with trouble sooner or later. And then we hit the end of our life. There's just some things we can't avoid. Trouble and even death. I mean, these are just some things that we're going to experience. But in the midst of this journey, keeping a right relationship with God and the right perspective on what He wants is the way to do this. Our, our legacy is carved out as our children, as our friends, and as the next generation watch us handle everyday life as it goes by and as we say yes to God. Now, some of my most blessed times have been actually the toughest times when I, when I really just have to lean on God. Like pastoring through this pandemic has been the most difficult season of my life. But it's also been so enriching and so good for my faith. Will you keep leaning, leaning into ministry? to our community and care and love for our community right here and right now? Will you keep investing your life in serving others? Will you keep investing even dollars uh, to help us reach the next generation? Now, the next thing here is a warning. The fifth thing is a warning. And it's this. It's to screen your input. So, verse 8. For this is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel, says. Don't let your prophets who are among you and your diviners deceive you. And don't listen to the dreams you elicit from them, for they are prophesying falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them. This is the Lord's declaration. So, Jeremiah is writing saying, look, be careful who you listen to. You've got these, these diviners, these false prophets, people that lived in, in, in Jerusalem that were exiled. So you've got these prophets that were exiled now that are, that are there with them in Babylon. And they're prophesying. And so Jeremiah is saying, look, discern their messages. Discern and screen the input that you're taking in. The context here is that these Jewish prophets were saying things that just weren't true. And so we don't exactly know what they were saying, but there's a lot you can infer from the passage. But my sense is that one of the things was any day now, you're going to be able to return. This is just temporary. We'll be back home soon. Uh, and, and what this was likely doing was just elevating the fear and worry because it wasn't happening. It didn't look like it was improving. The reality didn't match the message of the prophets. And so God is saying, look, these prophets, these men don't speak for me. So don't listen to them. The thing about prophets in the Bible is that you're only a prophet if you're always right. <laughs> so if you tell the truth, you get to be a prophet. If you're off even just one time, you're a false prophet. Don't listen to the false prophets. Now, right now, in our culture, here and now, in our situation, we have to be discerning. 
I want to know the truth. The Bible says the truth is what sets us free. Well, the environment that we're living in right now is so difficult to navigate. Just when you finally get your mind around some new area, there's more breaking news. And everyone is saying, hey, hey, trust me, here's the answer. And everyone seems to have the answer, but uh, apparently there's a lot of people wrong on a lot of different things. And so it's just really hard to trust people right now. And maybe some of you right now, you're getting worn down. Maybe you need to just turn off the radio. Or maybe you need to, instead of when you're driving down the street, listening to streaming music, or turning on the, the news, or the, the daily news, the hourly news, maybe maybe it's just shut some things down. Maybe it's shut off social media. Maybe it's shut off the radio. Why? Well, it's because speculation and opinion and, and just guessing at everything has a lot of us fatigued. Now, what I'm not saying is bury your head in the sand and check out. But maybe the very best thing right now is to sort of just shut off all of the noise and all the voices, just sort of shut off all of those things and take in more of this. Just take in more of God's Word. Get the Bible app. There's a great app, Version Bible app, and turn it on often. Instead of driving to work, listening to the news, and, and just constantly just sort of oh, being barraged by all of these things, Instead, what if you were to just turn on God's Word and just listen to that? Listen to God's Word while you're driving. Or go on a walk and listen to the Bible on the walk. And get to know God's story and take this in more and more. Walk and worship Him. Listen to worshipful music that, that, that helps you rehearse God's truth and be reminded of what is true and never changes. Now some of you, <laughs> that's just what's needed right now because the input that's coming your way isn't always reliable. It's the screen, the input. Now, some of you know that I had COVID recently. Uh, right at the end of August, I had COVID. And, and we were, uh, because we had a water leak in our home, we were not even living in our home. We were living in a hotel. and and But we would go home occasionally. But I, I went home to, I think, water the plants. And, and uh, as I was outside, I saw one of my neighbors down the street. And we he walked over to me, and, and super friendly guy. And, and, he, and he said, Hey man, it's good to see you because we've been gone. So, and he comes in for a big hug, and I'm I've, I'm still like I'm still at this point got COVID. So I'm like, hey man, I've got COVID, <laughs> and so I like kind of back up and and uh, he's like, hey man, aren't you a pastor? You can't you can't say that, like you can't receive that. He said, and so he just gives me a hug. <laughs> he's like, I don't care. He just gives me a hug, and he says, man, you're you're a pastor. You. You have to, and he, he started teaching me, and he said, you have to refuse that. And he said, everyone's going to learn from your example because you're a pastor. And he said, no, you just need to say, no, COVID, I don't have you. And he said, just need to refuse that. And at that point, uh, I mean, I'm talking to him, but I can't, I can't even get a full breath because of the effect of COVID. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, maybe, maybe I just need to try this out right now. And, and, but then in my body, I'm, I'm like, I can't hardly talk to this guy. Because of the effect of COVID. Some of you have had COVID and you know how hard it can be to get a full breath. And uh, so anyway, he just went on and he starts teaching me about this bad example that I'm setting for the congregation and my lack of faith. And, and, I, and I just said, okay, well, it's good to see you, man. And, and, uh, and I just sort, of, <laughs> just sort of walked away. Now, the theology that he was expressing doesn't completely jive with the way that God has made reality. Yes, I can pray, and there's there's a part of what he said that is true, which is 
hey, I can pray and you should uh, ask God to heal you right on the moment. And, you know, that's true. That, yes, I can pray. And yes, I had been asking God to heal me and I had a lot of people praying that I would um, be healed through it and, and no damage, permanent damage. But, but no, I'm not God. The reality is we live in a fallen world and there is real suffering. And God actually uses suffering, even even painful things like sickness, for our ultimate good in Christ. But you and I, we, we, we just constantly have to screen the input. Because I could have walked away from that conversation and thought, you know, maybe, yeah, maybe there's something wrong with my theology and I just don't have enough faith. And I just, if I just, uh, if I just declare that I don't have COVID, maybe it'll go away. Well, some of you have tried that and, and you still have to battle and suffer through some things. And you want to make sure that the input that is coming to you is accurate and true. And so I had to screen that out and I chose not to respond in the moment. I may have a conversation with that with that guy at one point just to sort of challenge that idea. I didn't have the breath to do it right then and there. But, uh, but there's constantly input. There's constantly false ideas coming at us, whether from um, friends, sometimes from news and media. And, and you know, some of it's true, but some of it is not. And so you, you need to be discerning in this environment right now. The last thing is this. Set your heart and your mind to endure difficult circumstances as you wait on God's promises. So verse 10, this is what he says. For this is what the Lord says. When 70 years for Babylon are complete. Interesting. And here's the truth. The, the diviners, the false prophets, were, were saying, hey, just deny this whole exile thing. Just start saying, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. And you'll be home. I mean, I don't know exactly what they're saying, but that's what I imagine is they were just, they were throwing things up that weren't true. A lot of falsehood. But God tells them, nope. You're going to be here for a while in exile. In fact, it's going to be 70 years. So he tells them very clearly, when 70 years for Babylon are complete, I will attend to you and will confirm my promise concerning you to restore you to this place. And then we have verse 11. This is the promise that we started with. The promise that would be a great caption in a yearbook photo. The promise is this, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your well-being, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. So he's saying, look, you're going to walk through this journey, but I have not forgotten you. Whenever we hit the difficult circumstances in life, the most difficult stuff, whatever we believe about God makes a big difference in the way we handle the difficulty. Whether or not we bear up under them or, or twist off and sort of just go in, a, in, a, in the wrong direction. Now this promise, the promise of Jeremiah 29:11, is that God will bring blessing to his people who trust him over time. And I want to encourage you with that. This blessing, this, what does this word mean, the blessing of God? Well, it's, it's, it's the tangible stuff and it's the intangible favor of God in our life. He may not change up our circumstances. Like, this is our situation right now, here in Riverside, here in California. High costs, pandemic, uh, just difficulty with friends, uh, challenging circumstances in our life, some of us health problems, and on and on. He may not change our circumstances, but here's the thing, God, will bring joy and contentment and all kinds of other good stuff on the inside if we'll turn to him, if we'll hope in him. And it comes in the midst of all of this as we trust him. And I, I hope this has been helpful for you. And, I, and I'd like to offer a few next steps to consider as we wrap up. The first one is this. It's, 
you've been hearing us talk about joining a group, I would encourage you, join a group. Join one of our groups. Pull into this church community. You can do that from our website. You can do that from our church center app. Uh, but we'd love for you to plug in. And that's a way to really apply this message. It's, it's to pull in and start investing right here, right now. Second thing is this, is to ask God for endurance in, in some aspect of your life, some specific area of your life. You see, when we're in exile and we're having that experience where we feel far, far from home, uh, one of the key words is endurance. It's just waiting on God to carry you through it, to bring you through it in His pace, in His timing, His way. So I'd like to pray for us as we, as we wrap up. So let's pray together. Father, thank you for uh, this story of the exiles who uh, you were working in their lives through a painful season of discipline. And God, we don't know exactly what is fully being accomplished in our world right now through all of what's going on, but uh, we do best to turn to you in the midst of it, Lord, and to um, to walk with you, uh, to, to uh, invest in uh, the community of faith around us and even the community, this, this neighborhood, this city that we are in uh, right now. God, there are things you're doing, things you want to use us to, um, to move forward. Uh, and Lord, we can make such a huge impact if we will uh, be a light in this dark, dark world. And so I pray, Lord, that you would sustain us and help us, Lord, through the difficult circumstances we're facing. Help us to keep looking up, Father. No matter what it is that we're facing, God, we are not alone. You've not left us. You've not abandoned us. Uh, You will keep your promises, and so we trust you, and we thank you. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you again for joining us today. We pray you were encouraged by the message and equipped to take your next step with Jesus. Visit us online at occathome.com to learn more about how to connect with us. And join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast. Have a great day.